want to do a couple things to sort of move us into where we're going to go tonight, with this, which is the last servant song, which is also sort of like wrap up and close off a lot of stuff that we've done within Exodus. So I just want to do like a, a somewhat of a quick review of all that. But related to what we're going to do with the servant song, I asked you guys this, at least some of you who are here, a, a while ago, and I just want to ask it again from because of what we're going to do tonight. So if... I'm going to ask this question. What is the Bible for? Sounds like this just really basic question. Um, all right. Go for it. Just give me some answers. So, and particularly for you, like, what do you, if it's something for you, like, when you think of what's the Bible for, for you, um, answer it that way if you can. So, Bruce, you are... Convey the word of God. Okay. Convey the love, comfort, and solace of God. Convey the what? Love, comfort, and solace of God. Love, comfort, and solace. So in other words, the word of God comforts you. It's, yeah, yeah God's care for us. Good, good. Okay. God talking to you. God talking to you? Who he is to his creation. Okay, who he is. So the Bible reveals who God is? Yes. All right. I'll just throw that. <laughs> we are his creation, yeah. Who we are, where we came from, and where we're going. Okay. Who we are... Came from, I like that, going. Come on, Jason. Knowledge. Knowledge, all right. <clears throat> True knowledge. Anything else? Well, from that stems everything. <laughs> the history of the acts of God. Alright. History of the acts of God. Who Jesus is. Um, who Jesus is. And why he came. Why he came. Very good. The purpose of his creation. Say Tom again. The purpose of his creation. Okay. What happened? <laughs> what happened to this what place? Happened? Why are we watching all this stuff right now? What's all this going on in the world, right? I like that. Actually, that's, that's I like that. What, what happened? <laughs> to, add, to add on to Steve, the old Billy Graham thing, what happens when you die? Okay. It's good. It's always interesting to listen to how people answer this question. It's to convey the good news that God reigns. All right. Point us to the truth. Okay. Which is really this. Okay. No, that's fine. Just, just kind of 
feed ourselves. Anything else? That's pretty good. In Romans, it talks about in the beginning there was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So, which could be probably around who Jesus is. Yeah. 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 Unless you, yeah. Eric, what about for you? What do you? I you was think? just thinking a historical grounding of the faith. Oh, okay. All right. Second Timothy. Okay, well, that's good because I, I I was looking at this going, okay, we're missing something, which is probably with Second Timothy. How would you summarize Second Timothy? So how would you, I mean, if you just take a look at all the Second Timothy saying, what is it saying the Bible is for? Um, for um, all scriptures is God breathed for really to get us to righteousness for knowledge. Okay, well, just hold that. <laughs> All right, um, get us, I like that, to righteousness. I'm going to summarize, in other words, how we, how we live. For instruction, teaching. Right. Yeah. really tells us how to live. Yeah. If you look at Second Timothy, right. sort of encompassing all that, right? How do we live? It goes back to, Eric talks, you know, you, Eric, you've got, he's got so much of the, these things just in his mind and head, these, what do you want to call them, the sort of statements of virtue and... They're uh, ethical maxims. Right, but and those ethical maxims, ultimately, which is how do we live, <laughs> how then shall we live, um, which is really, <laughs> how do we do this? How do we right? live successfully, how we live unsuccessfully, example after yeah. example after right. example, do we, where you just... <laughs> Throw up your hands and not. <laughs> okay. All right. That's good. Unless I'm going to have something else I want to say. So, do you guys remember this passage? <clears throat> now, what was this passage, Shalance, for those of you who are here? Remember where this was at? Anybody remember? Corinthians. No, no. Beginning of Isaiah somewhere. Beginning of Isaiah. It's been so long, right? Beginning of Isaiah somewhere? Isaiah something. something. Yeah. So this was in Isaiah 8. All right. And we were looking at this passage a long time ago because of the way in which it really forms a chiastic structure to really get at, ultimately, what is Isaiah all about? Okay, I mean, what is the real key message within Isaiah? Um, and it did that by using this this structure here, where you had, as, as you were going down it, you have this contrast between <laughs> how do we get there and how do we not, <laughs> all right? So what, what do we do that we don't get there to being righteous versus being righteous, in a sense? Okay, does that make sense? All right, so thinking even about what's going on in Ukraine, what's going on in the world, right? You can see how much Isaiah applies directly to what we've been, what we've been sending here, even what's happening right now. 
So up here, starts out, band together peoples and be broken. Pay attention, all you distant lands, talking about all the nations. All right? Prepare for war and be broken. Prepare for war and be broken. And then the corresponding to that is down here. So you can sort of just read these like this. And this uh, says, these distant nations that are preparing for war, they're uh, for war. They will be, they will wander through the land. Dejected and hungry, when they are famished, they will become enraged, looking upward, will curse their king and their god. So you can see what ultimately happens to them, all right? What happens to them in them not following God, because the nations are not following God here, is they basically just get wiped out. I mean, like judgment. <laughs> <All right. laughs> That was dramatic. It's just like my judgment there. <laughs> All right. All right. Isaiah, on the other hand, Isaiah comes along, and he, well, not Isaiah yet, but so he comes along, he was talking to the nations, and then he's talking to God's people. All right? Who should know better? Right? And what does he say to God's people? Who should know better? Devise a plan. Because that's exactly, remember with Ahaz, they were all saying, we're going to devise our own plan, we're going to do our own thing, we don't really need God, right? Devise a plan. <laughs> what will happen to it? It will fail. It will fail. Make a prediction. <laughs> I love this. It doesn't apply to anything today. It will not happen. <laughs> all right? Encouraging words. Yeah, all right? And then down here, corresponding, when they say to you, Inquire of the mediums and the spiritists who chirp and uh, mutter. Shouldn't the people inquire of their God? Shouldn't God's people inquire of their God? Should the should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living? Go to where God's instruction and testimony. What's the Bible for? Right. Go to God's instruction testimony. If they do not speak. According to this word, God's word, there will be no dawn for them. Okay. So this is to God's people here. And then Isaiah comes along, and he's, and he's the prophet, right? And he says, so this is what the Lord, because now what's interesting is, who is Isaiah listening to? He's listening to what the word of God says. All right? And he says, for this is what the Lord said to me with great power to keep me, I love this, to keep Isaiah from going the way of the people. Mm. All right. How do you, what's Isaiah then? Showing us how to be righteous, right? And follow God. So he says, to do that, bind up the testimony. And what was the testimony? All the word of God that was given to Isaiah, which is what we have been studying. So we would not have this word of God to ask that question for of Isaiah if he didn't do this. <laughs> he took that testimony of God, bound it up, sealed it, gave it to his disciples, and what would he do? I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. I will hope in him. Here I am with the children of the Lord has given me to be signs and wonders of Israel and for the Lord of armies who dwells in Mount Zion. So that's what Isaiah is doing. And then he ends, almost, 
was saying that's what Isaiah's doing. But what are the people doing? Again, I'm sure this, I'm being a little sarcastic here, obviously, but doesn't apply to today, does it? <laughs> Do not call everything a conspiracy that these people say is a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be terrified. That's what Isaiah is telling people. Yeah. Because if you fear wait, and get wait, involved in the, the conspiracies and what the world's saying... That's the fake news, right? That's Yeah, well, exactly. I guess you could call it that. That's one way people go. But then you have to ask whose version of fake news, right? But for the two houses of Israel, he will be a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over and a trap and a snare to the inhabitants in Jerusalem. Many will stumble of, stumble of these. They will fall and be broken. They will be um, smeared. They will be snared and captured. So Isaiah is saying here, if you put your faith in anything else of the world, you basically are just going to be trapped. Yeah. All right. And I think one of the number one ways we see that we're trapped, and I, I, I will just, my little, I see so many Christians today in fear. <laughs> because we're focused on the world. You and I were talking about that on Sunday. You know, is it Christians who, I, as we've gone through all the stuff in the last couple of years, and I have to, I mean, I'm not going to say I fight that myself too. It's so easy to get caught up in the world and what the world's doing and just be captured in this fear. Mm-hmm. All right. And so, ultimately, what does he say? He Look says, up. you are to regard the Lord of Armies only. Right? Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Exactly. You are to regard the Lord of Armies as holy, only God, he should be feared, only he should be held in awe. He will be your sanctuary. So, I mean, what does he call it, the Lord of Armies? Well, well, because here we were talking about that he is saying, I am the one that's in, ultimately, I'm the one that's in control of everything that's going on in the world. You think the armies of Russia, you think the armies of whatever, I mean, no. He is the one that ultimately is in control of everything that's happening. Because and he will bear that, bear that power onto that. Yes. Because at this point, people are afraid of the armies yeah. that oh, are coming to invade them. That's, I see. And so he's not only the, the, the Lord of all the armies on earth, he's the Lord of all the heavenly armies as well. Heavenly yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah, that was the, the term for God that they were using a lot, right? Mm-hmm. The, the Lord of the Army, like, was, yeah, like, it's like it? yeah, I'm the, Lord of hosts. <laughs> the Lord of Hosts, which is yeah. the Lord of Armies. Actually, the right. Lord of Hosts is the same word as the Lord of Armies here. Right. Okay. Yeah. Really talking about, I think, the ultimate. Um, it's it's the, used the, often. Right. It's not like it's just special in this verse. Right. Correct. It's used. It's used often. Yeah. yeah. The Lord of Hosts. Yes. Lord of Hosts. Lord. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But it's All like right. the Lord of Hosts of heavenly armies. Yeah. It's like what it means. Which, which is ultimately, why do you not worry about the conspiracies of the world? Why do you not worry about the nations, other nations? Why you, you know, remember Isaiah goes up to Ahaz and says, ask God of anything and he'll do it for you. All right? Because he is the Lord of armies. He's the one that can stop, conquer everything that's going on. All right. All right. 
So, only he should be feared. Do you guys remember what verse we looked at last week? How did we end last week? 496? Mm-hmm. Anyone remember? To 49, to 49, 49, 49, 49. No? Ultimately, I would, I, I, I will just, I would make the statement that this is, if you had one verse you need as a Christian, this would be it. You only need one verse. <laughs> to live. This one. Anyone remember? Isaiah? Six, wasn't it? Or eight? <laughs> Alright. Oh, Isaiah 50? 50. 10. Yeah. <laughs> Isaiah 50, 10. Why don't you guys turn there? We'll go get through this. They don't want to. We're going first? somewhere else. Yeah, Isaiah 50, 10. Yeah. One way, good way of thinking of it is 50, 10. 5, double 5, 10. <laughs> Just yeah. 10. Alright. Yes, exactly. So listen to what this verse says. It says, who among you, so in essence a prophet, he's asking all of us. Someone's, you know, God's asking us. Who among all of us here in this room, what? Fears the Lord. Fears the Lord. Alright? And how do we know that we, how do we show that we fear the Lord? Because the question I guess what a lot of people have is, Oh, okay, I know I'm not supposed to fear the world. I'm only supposed to fear God. But then they don't. <laughs> They're fearing the world. We because listen, they put their listen. focus on the world. Yeah, we have to listen to his spirit. Listen to Jesus. Listen to yeah. his spirit. Well, what, so what does it say? The next line, we're in Isaiah 50.10. The next line says how you fear the Lord. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's the way this is actually designed here. The way you fear the Lord is you, and you remember the word last week? Trust in the Lord. Well, you obey, which is the word hear, which is the word listens. And what's the Hebrew word from last week? Oh, got to be kidding. <laughs> Walk. Shema. 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 <laughs> We're going to start having this every night, guys. <laughs> All right. Um, I have a great memory. It's getting short. <laughs> well, this is a great passage if you ever want to have one passage in your life to keep you focused on the Lord. This is a great one. Because who among you fears the Lord? The one, basically it says, the one who... Shema, which is is a word hear, which is also the word obey. Remember I told you last week, whenever you yeah. hear the word Shema in Old Testament, it's always hear, obey. Hear, obey. They're inseparable. You can't just say, oh, I hear you, God. You have to obey what you hear. Oh, and what that? you have to be obeying is what you hear from God. There, it's one word, Shema. It means hear, obey. S-H-E-M-A. O-E-E-M-A. Okay. So who among you fears the Lord and shamas the voice of his servant? Going back to your question, what is the Bible for? The Bible is the voice of his servant. Who is the servant? Jesus Christ. 
Jesus Christ. And Reuben, were you saying about John? I mean, you said you said what, what does John one one say, or what, what were you saying? No, oh, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Yeah. Okay. What's the Bible for? <laughs> it is the voice of the servant, because the servant is the Word of God, <laughs> which is this servant that it talks about here. We're, we're finding out. Okay. This is ultimately. Christ, who is that servant. Why do we read the Bible? Why do we do this? That is how we get the voice of, the, of God. All right. And it's always been the Bible. It's always been the Bible. It has never been, among Jewish faith and Christian faith, there's never been anything other than the old, what we call the Old Testament, the New Testament. All right. That's the voice of God that we obey. Right. And then it says, when you do that, it says, let him who walks in darkness and has no light. Most of us think, well, I'm, you know, walking with God, everything should be beautiful and be blessed, and that happens for a lot of times. But ultimately, as a Christian, God is probably going to take you somewhere at some time. He hasn't yet. Hang on. <laughs> Okay. It's, it's like a ride at Disneyland. All of a sudden, you know, you go into the tunnel, pitch black. Yeah. And you don't know what's on the other side, right? And he says, let him who walks in darkness and has no light, trust in the name of the Lord. And how do you trust in the name of the Lord? You rely on him. Lean on Totally. Yeah. Only. Yeah. So you see, just right here in this one passage, like, this is this is our life. This is what Isaiah has been telling us the entire time. How do I fear the Lord? I fear the Lord by listening and obeying His voice. And then how do I show that I'm doing that and that I trust Him? Is I rely on Him for everything. I do the opposite of what Ahaz did. Ahaz literally completely dismissed God and said, I don't need you. I got it handled. I got this. <laughs> yeah. This Which is, is all we can up. easily do at any time, right? Just simply say, I've got it myself. This is all summed up in Proverbs 3 5. It is. Trust in the Lord, Lord. with all of your heart, heart. and lean not, not on, on your, your own, own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him, yeah. and He will direct your path. Right. Right. And then life is beautiful. And then life is beautiful. But it might not be, too. <laughs> to the worldly. To the worldly. Exactly. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you, you find, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced, you find anybody who you met who's really strong in the faith, and you will find someone who knows and has walked in darkness with no light and trusted in God alone. Any comments? Any, any thoughts, you guys, when you're... To me that 10 years ago. Yeah. This is not our home. This kingdom is coming. In this world, you will have trouble. Right. Or we were talking about, we live in the present evil age. But thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. There's also the idea that we are to bring into this darkness... So this this statement right here, Mm -hmm. number ten, sorry, fifty ten, 
Um, who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Okay. Now, that is Jesus. We that's know also, that. But that's also us. We are the servant. It ultimately is, well, okay, and, very and, good. And we're only able to access that nature through Jesus. Right. But make no mistake about the kingdom has come. The kingdom is here. It's all around us. And it's coming. Manifest No, it's not. No. Yeah. Yes. The, <laughs> the kingdom is here. here. What is to come is a new earth and a new heaven. Okay. Okay? So the kingdom never went anywhere. We did. The kingdom's always been here. And where, if it's for us... going to go? But this is... Where's sin going to go? God's going to deal with that. Okay. What does that have to do with it? Everything. Is this kingdom... <laughs> is, is the kingdom still... Sin is in every cell of my existence. The, no. Yes. His blood has overcome me. There you go. Okay. So there you go. So is it now? It's a paradox, man. It's, <laughs> is it, though? Yeah, it's like, drink up. I, I, this is, to, to me, this is, this is the crux. This is where the rubber meets the road. Right. Well, as Jesus says, we are ones who live in the world, the present evil age, but not of the world. That's right. Right. So... That's where the freedom comes. Again, yeah. why do we need to overcome the world? Why? You never will overcome the world. So we can feed our spirit. <laughs> feed the spirit of God. If, if you will never overcome the world, and that world never is dangerous, first of all. <laughs> I wouldn't say that again. Uh, <laughs> if we don't have the capability of overcoming the world through God, through Jesus, then what is the point? Okay? Think about that. Why are we sitting in this room? Why are we reading this book? What is the Bible for? Mm -hmm. To show us the path to that reality. We're extensions of him. He has overcome the world. I I didn't come over Jack. So then what are you here for? I'm an extension of him. His light is in me. And, therefore, so so what do you... Yeah, I live it out. And... What does that yes. enable you yes. to do? Yes, so he is overcoming the world through me. I'm not doing it. I'm okay, just being let's, let's get past the, the insecurity <laughs> factor, uh-huh. okay? And like, yeah. oh, yes, of course, we can't do anything except right. through, through Christ. Yes. Okay, we've established that, trust. right? Okay, now let's talk about us, the individuals, who are living through Christ. That's a big leap, okay, first of all, and it's one that's based on knowledge. Right? Which is de- de- definitively in here. And we can go, hey, I got this thought in my head. Is that is that something that I should go any further with or not? Is it in here? If it isn't, no. Right? Yeah, it's a healthy, well-balanced thing. Yeah. Okay, so what are we called to do here? Okay. Is, is it just Jesus is the servant and we just get to stumble along yeah, and no, be sinners no, and I mean, we, die? We start from ignorance. Right. Like, yeah. But we, we don't. <laughs> okay, so you guys are actually both on the same, you're at both in the same place. Exactly. I'm going to go back to what you just said, which is actually what Steve said too, is, which is where I want to go to, is just what you said, which is the voice of the servant. Who's the servant? Mm-hmm. Because guess what? Israel couldn't do this, and we just said it. We cannot do it. Which is a whole reason why we're talking about a servant. 
So that servant is what allows us to be servants to that servant, right? So we're in this new position that in Christ, we are now to serve the servant, right? And the question is why, which it goes really, it was actually really good, this discussion you guys are having, which are both, it's a good discussion because you see that tension. Because I I don't serve the servant, I serve my flesh, I've done it a lot today. Right. Well, but, but as I would say... And he, yeah, I don't know. Who my my right. attitude right. needs to serve right. the servant. So the question is, if we're going to live that way, how do we live that way? Yeah. All right. Because we really are without excuse. We have been given salvation. We have been given this. We've been given the spirit. Why are we not living in that? Why are we not relying totally on God? All right. Because we need to be focused on the servant who we're serving. If we really knew, and I'm just talking about for you, I'm talking for all of us. No, yeah, yeah. If we really knew <laughs> both what he did for us, but also that we, remember what the word is for servant? You guys better remember this from Galatians. It's not servant. It's slave. 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 Yes. No longer Steve, Greg, anybody here, no longer is, are we, we are not servants, we are actually slaves, which means that our, we have ownership, and the person who owns us, <laughs> the one who controls us, is the one who died for us. And we are not supposed to be serving the world, or our flesh, or anything, we're supposed to be serving Christ alone. Yeah? Yeah. Now, when, we, when we serve the world, we're slaves to the world. Exactly. Slave to all the sin that encompasses. Right. Turning away from that as well as we can and through the Spirit, we become slaves to Christ. Right. But it's a, it's a bond slave. Yeah. I think where it's voluntary in a sense. It's not you know we're not being beaten to do it. That's by choice. Right. So one of the things you are not your own. Yeah. You've been bought with a price. Yeah. Very good. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So that's where I want to go to next. It's actually the reason why we're, we're going to go to in the next several weeks. Because as we talked about here, and someone said knowledge, right, in this part here, is why don't we, why do we let the flesh get to us? Why are we not serving the servant all the time? Why are we not slaves to him all the time? One way of answering that that I want that you want to almost start with is do we really know what he did for us? Okay, do we really get it? Because I would I would throw out if you really got I mean got and I don't mean just like oh I hear it in one ear and not the other, but if you really know what Christ did for us, if you really take that to heart and get that. You will have no, you, you would, the only thing you'll want to do is serve him. Because if you really get what he's done for us, what did this Jesus do? Yeah. And we sort of say that in our, off top of our heads, but do you really grasp? Has that really hit you? This is what Christ did for us. What happened on the cross? No greater love is one who dies for his friend. Right, Zach, okay? So that's what I want to look at, 
And that's what the servant song. So what's interesting is we're going through these servant songs. We start uncovering the problem that I, Israel isn't doing it. The problem is we can't do it. <laughs> and we start finding out we need a savior to do something. To make it so we can be that servant. So we actually can do this. And that's what this last servant song is about. It's all about what did he really do for you and for me? Open the door. Yeah. Okay, so I want to look at that. Start tonight. Just start taking a look at that question. To the point where if someone says to you, what did Jesus do? You're going to probably say what I heard over and over again. Okay, <laughs> for many years of while I was involved in the New Age movement. Over and over again. What did Jesus do for you? Died on the cross. Mm-hmm. My first girlfriend, 18 years old. Okay, I'll never forget. She, we were by a fireplace, and she, and, I, and she was Catholic, and I'd never been to church in my life, and she was telling me about how Jesus died on the cross for me. I'm like, you've got to be crazy. I mean, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. Why would someone die on a cross, and how can that have anything to do with me? He's dead. <laughs> I mean, I didn't get it. It took me 10 years <laughs> from that point to finally get it, all right? Um, I think we just don't yeah. realize how much Jesus loves us and loves yeah. us. That's yeah. the key. Right. It's that love he has for us that if we can experience that and become part of that, then he can do his magic through us. We right. can maybe walk around and stumble a little bit less in the dark. Right. So I want to be able to, I want us, including myself, because I'm already learning a lot to know, is sort of equip us to try to say, do we really get, get it? Like, get it. Because if you really get it, you're going to be his servant. Do we really get what Christ did on the cross? All right. And I think, I know you do a lot of apologetics, Pete, right? I mean, you've done stuff with that. I could, yeah, I could be stuff. doing more, that's for sure. You what? I could be doing more, that's for sure. <laughs> but I mean, that's part of what apologetics is about, too, is making the argument, yeah. all right? Yeah. How do you say and show what Jesus did? Why is that even important? Who cares, right? So, all right. So that's what we're going to do. All right, you guys ready? Put your seatbelt on? Yeah, let's go. <laughs> we'll go for the ride, all right? All right. Ground running. Okay. So here are the ground rules we're going to start with tonight as we start looking at this. Is for tonight, what I want you to do is pretend like Isaiah 52, starting at verse 13 to 53, 11. That that section is the only thing you have. Everything else with the Word of God is gone. Okay? It's almost like you're on an island or something, and all you have is this one section of Scripture. 52.13 through what? 52.13 through 53.11. Am I right with that? Yeah. 52 through... He was pierced for our transgressions? 13 through 15. So this is what's called the Servant Song. This is the most famous, well-known of all the Servant Songs. Um, yeah. Does everyone see that? There's, well, there's. And every, does everyone have that? You guys all have. Everyone has the Bible. So I want you. So 
So go ahead and turn. So fifty-two. Yeah. So it goes through. It goes through twelve. Fifty-three twelve. So fifty-two. Forget about fifty-two twelve. Fifty-three twelve. Fifty-two thirteen. <laughs> okay, page two ninety-four. I I could just hand these down and say this is all you have to look at today. <laughs> yeah. So whatever you guys want, we can go by this. Or you can go by this, all right? Right, so 52, 13. It starts at 52, 13, and then, when I mark it. And then 53 goes And it goes all the way through 53. So a lot of times people will say Isaiah 53. What's the servant song? Isaiah 53. Most of you would hear that, but it actually starts in 52, 13. How do we know that? Look at it. <laughs> How do we know that? Which servant song is this? This is the fourth. So this is the last final. And I'll tell you right now, this piece of scripture is, could be said, this is the most important piece of scripture of all of the Old Testament when it comes down to asking the question, what did Jesus really do for us? All right. This is the, this, this part of scripture has been talked about, written about probably more than anything else in scripture for thousands, you know, for 2000 years. It is the central passage <clears throat> that describes who Christ is and what he did for us. And starts to give us a glimpse of what does that mean as to how we're to live. Okay. So, everyone following me so far? So, it starts at 52.13. Yeah. I want you to pretend, as we read through this, that this is all you have. Okay. I'm going to cheat a little bit, a couple places with that, to give us some context. But this is it. All right. So it's almost like, you know, you pretend like you're in the desert island or something, and this is all, this is your Bible. You only have this. All right. Or you're not a Christian, and you are on a desert island, you find this in a bottle. Right? This is all you got. This is all you need. I would argue this is all you need. All right. To know about Jesus. All right. Okay. Everyone good? Questions? Everyone like going, what's going on? <laughs> yeah? Alright. So why do I say that the servant song starts at 52.13? What's our signal that it starts there? He says, behold my servant. Shimon. Yeah, very good, Charlie. <laughs> Sometimes the most simple is the most obvious. Exactly. All right, do you remember how did the other songs start out? The other servant songs, like Isaiah, uh, it's the first servant song in Isaiah 42, Behold my servant. All right, so that's sort of the signal. In fact, if you start to read 52, you would hit 52.12, and all of a sudden it switches. The subject now becomes... This person called my servant, which at this point, Israel has no clue as to who this is. All right. We are able to look back because this passage is used so heavily in the New Testament to tell us this is Jesus. All right. Okay. So let's just start out. So behold, and behold is like, listen up, everybody. <laughs> listen. Listen carefully. Because this is the servant. Shall act wisely. Alright, so whoever the servant is, we're going to find out, 
the first thing we find out about him is he is to act wisely. Um, Bill, do you have um, the CSB? I do. So read to me what it says there in 52.13. See, my servant will be successful. All right. You guys hear that? My servant will be successful. That's actually a little bit better of a translation than wisely. Like, my servant will, my servant shall act wisely. What does that mean? Ultimately, the CSB translates that. Probably gets a little idea. In other words, my servant, (laughs) this will happen. He will be successful. He's going to succeed. He will succeed is what what he sets out to do. Yeah. All right? In a footnote, it says act wisely. Right. And then it says, he shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, does that ring any bells to you? (laughs) No, big time. I'm now asking you to call because you have the whole rest of the Bible memorized. But here I'm going to cheat a little bit and just say, what... Where is this language? This language, well, in fact, when you hear that language, he shall be high and lifted up, he shall be exalted. What does that language sound like? It reminds me of Moses when he lifted up the bronze snake in the desert. Okay. Isaiah chapter 6, the temple. Uh, Isaiah what? Isaiah 6, the, the temple scene. Very good, Peter. So I'm going to just read this. You don't have to turn there. Just yeah, Don't turn there because you, you don't have the Bible. You don't, don't have this. Only I have it. Okay. <laughs> well, let me do this one time. Listen to Isaiah 6. In the king, in the year the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. Exactly the same language. But who is on the throne? No, no, here. Where, who's on the throne in Isaiah? Oh, in Isaiah. 6. Who's on the throne? God. It, it says, Lord, the Lord. Yeah. God. As we, okay. God is on the throne, right? Yahweh is on the throne. Yeah. He is high and lifted up. In fact, this language, high and lifted up, is only used in Isaiah. And except here, where we're looking at the servant song, is used to speak of God. Mm-hmm. Only God, who is high and lifted up. That, there's a good apologetics right there for Jesus. <laughs> Jesus God. If you say Jesus is the servant, and we look here, we're finding out the servant is John 1 1, right? You guys say something? Yeah, there's, there's other verses, mm-hmm. but it's the contrast, like who is not God. So they say, you, you wanted to be exalted and lifted up. Yeah. But you will be brought low. Right. Very good. Brought low. Very, very good. Yeah, in fact, that's in Isaiah. Like you I wanted think. to be God. Right. But you were See, cast I, down. Would you say there, Peter? Um, so let me, yeah, I'll read it to you. Yeah. So, so there's other verses he's talking about yeah. where it's not using the positive light, like God's high and lifted up, because only God is. But yeah. where, what do we try to do as a man, men, as humans? We. Try to lift ourselves up. Yeah. Or like Satan. Or exactly. Exactly. Right. right. Anything other than God. Yeah. Right. Let another praise you and not your own mouth. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I'd, and I'd say, Steve, if I can, I mean, one of the reasons why you 
we fall, and the reason why we end up not following Jesus is because we try to be high and lifted up. <laughs> All right? It says in Isaiah 2, 9, So man, and by the way, the word man there is Adam, actually Adam. Adam. All right? So man is humbled. Each one is brought low. Do not forgive them. Um, is that the one I wanted to look at? Oops, I just had it there. Oh, yeah. Um, oops, hold on. I just had it. Where was it? Just had about where he was lifted up. So man is humbled, each one is brought low. Do not forgive him. The haughty looks at the man shall be brought low, and the lofty pride of men shall be humbled. Um, so it keeps talking about this bringing low, because what do men try to do? They keep trying to bring themselves up. Okay? But only one is high and lifted up. Alright? So you see right there on 13, as we start out this whole section, the very first thing we do is we start finding out who is the, who is this. Who is a servant? He's someone who has <laughs> been lifted up, high and lifted up, equal with God. God. All right. It's kind of an oxymoron. The power is through obedience. Yeah. Exactly. Why is Jesus? <laughs> yeah. Why is Jesus high and lifted up? Or the, has been exalted because he was obedient. Obedient to the point of total submission. Exactly. Yep. The servant of God is God. Yeah. The servant. the end. The servant of God is God. Yeah. Right. But and the servant is God is God because the servant of God brought himself. And, and <laughs> what is that the example of? In order for us to follow in Christ's footsteps, that full and complete submission to Christ then enables us to walk with Him. Right, and Jesus quoted uh, the Psalms when he said, uh, "Then why, why does it say, my Lord said to?" Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. His, my Lord said to his Lord. Yeah. To <laughs> That's so confusing. That about until I make your enemies your footstool. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Okay, so, so why did David write about? Yeah. Yeah, he started doing Which the Kind of similar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So I want you to listen now. This is, so at this point, you think, this is God. This is this mighty one. He's this servant now has been high and lifted up. So now we know where he is. But how did he get there, let's say? All right, why is he given this status Okay, as that servant? And listen to verse 14 and 15. I'll just read it. You guys can, I mean, so as many were astonished at you, by his appearance was so marred beyond human semblance, and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths because of them. For that which has not been told them they see, and that which they have not heard they understand. Now, if you're reading that for the first time, what do you think? What's, what's happening here? Do you see a contrast happening? <laughs> it's a revelation. It's a revealing. Of and what's it revealing? What, what is it saying about this servant? So God's describing this servant that's... Highly exalted. And he's highly exalted, but now he's describing who this highly exalted servant is. 
And what description would you expect? Power and authority. You'd expect power and authority, right. You'd expect power and authority. You would expect... Well, there is power, right, because the kings shut their mouths. So that's power. If kings shut their mouths... But why do they shut their mouths? Because they finally understand what they hadn't heard before. Yeah, and what is that? Respect. Respect. Is what? Respect or reverence. All right. Well, and so there's a couple different understandings of this part of 15. One can be, oh, they see who this Jesus is or the servant. But another one is just their amazement. In part, it's seen who is the one that's highly exalted and lifted up and given this power. Is it who they expected? It goes back to Israel, right? What was Israel expecting? A king. And what did that king look like? What what name of person did that king look like? They thought he was going to look like King David. David. And and of course, it's. I mean, if you're a ruler, if you're a king, everyone dies before you. Right. You're the last man standing. Like yeah. And he did the exact opposite. Yeah. Yeah. But in Jesus' day, the kings Mm -hmm. didn't shut their mouth because of him. Sure. Like the kings no. of his time that saw him didn't shut their mouths. It's all the kings of the earth, like following that. Well, because what, what, what because what you're you? seeing here, right? You're seeing this. I might just say this is called the uh, almost not yet, right? Oh, is that you have the idea of who Jesus has done and what he's done on the cross, and ultimately what's going to happen at the very end of time. So if you go to Revelation, you will see yeah. in Revelation that what happens all. Knees, what's Colossians say, right? Every knee shall bow, every, knee every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Yeah. And you see that the nations, as we've been talking about Isaiah, come, all right, and they all recognize from Isaiah too, they all recognize who this, who this Christ is. But look at the description of it. What, what, about, what yeah. about Herod? What about Herod? Yeah, and Her- I mean, Herod, Pilate, those yeah. are some examples of where they... Think, think about the power that Christ demonstrated authority by not answering him. Yeah, exactly. That's, that this and Herod, wouldn't right. happen. He'd right. get his head cut off. Yeah. Why? And, 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 and nobody did. And Herod he... shut his mouth and said, oh, I'm done with him. But Pilate was surprised because he said, uh, don't you know I have power over your life? And he says, you have no power about yeah. what was given to you by God. And what... What did Jesus look like at this? Go, Tom, you can say no, something. No, just, just looking at this, it does refer to Romans 15.21. Yeah, it does, right. Um, those who were not told about him will then see. Mm-hmm. Um, and those who have not heard will understand. Which is also the opposite of Isaiah 6 for Israel, that hearing they, you know, they will not understand, yeah, right. seeing they will not perceive. Yeah. But the nations will see. <laughs> and ultimately, right? They will understand. They will understand, and they yeah. will see Israel will right. So this could be t- just thought. This could be taken in, ch- in some different ways. One can be taken is that they get who this is, and they're still sort of scared or doing that. By another one is that they actually get this is the Lord, and we want to come to him. So as an example, you talk about Herod, right? What did Herod do when he found out a baby was born? 
who went out and killed all the two-year-olds. That's right. Every one of them. Because he, in a sense, at this point, he actually was fulfilling this verse. He understood something's happening. There's a little baby out there, and this baby is going to threaten my me being a king. And he understood. <laughs> Not necessarily a positive way, but he understood. So what did he try to do? I'm going to go go kill all the babies that I think could potentially be. Don't you think Greg, he was probably thinking, though, that it was a political king, like a king king? Oh, absolutely. Not a, a messiah king that hasn't talked absolutely. about another kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Okay. But if you think of a king, what would you guys think of today? If you think of someone who's in power, I mean, think about how you think they look to the world. How does a king in power look to the world to show I'm, by you know? to, By today's standards? Yeah. Very goofy. <laughs> yeah, every but, one of them. But it's supposed to be regal, handsome, majestic, strong. Right. Yeah. Uh, look like an authority. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in 14, the CSB reads, it's just as many were appalled at you. His appearance was so disfigured that he did not look like a man, and his form did not resemble a human being. So when was that? When he was flogged. That's right. right. When they brought him out with the robe and the crown of thorns. Exactly. Yeah, and he, I think at that point, you know, um, Pilate was hoping, all right, look at the man. I think we've done enough, don't you think? And instead, no, it was crucifying. Right. No, 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 you, you just gone halfway. Let's get, get this done. Yeah. When you look at the movie The Passion. Yeah. I was just thinking, you know, yeah. I mean, How many of you have seen The Passion? Oh, oh yeah. 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 I mean, it brings me to tears every time. I see. Right. The Passion. Oh, this, this, oh. Passage, this passage is what he tried to bring out. This whole part we're going to be looking at right here. Exactly. This is what he really tried to bring out yeah. about who this Jesus was. It's to really show a fulfillment of this, these Isaiah passages we're going to be looking at all the way through, I think, three or four. Okay is this is what the king looks like. This is what the savior of the world looks like. And the passion, mm -hmm. if it did anything well, right. it brought that to just... It's like everything God is, everything's upside down. Right. It's just the opposite of what you would think. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. Every bit of it. Which has us be cautious as we look out in the world and we try to guess what the world's doing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like God's ways are not our ways. Not. <laughs> yeah. Um. So notice at fifty three, then who has believed? It's almost like sort of saying who. I mean, this sort of continues this thought about what the servant looks like. Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And now listen to the description. For he grew up. Before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no former majesty that we should look at him. And no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Rejection. He wasn't valued at all. Yeah. And who were the ones that 
despised them and hid their faces from Jesus? Religious leaders. <laughs> All the religious leaders were one. Yeah. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Look at, look, look All the ones saying Hosanna. The Jews. All the yeah. ones saying Hosanna. All the religious leaders. Keep going. Who else? Well, the devil for sure. Well, look what Peter did. Denied him. There you go. What's that? Peter denied him. Oh yeah. The one, oh, the oh. ones closest to Jesus, who walked and talked to him and saw him do the miracles, ran off. Turned <laughs> their faces away from him. Well, there was the disciple that Jesus loved, John. Yeah. He was the only one at the cross. Yeah. It's amazing. Did you notice in here how, all the way up from 13, how many times it shifts yeah. around? It shifts around. Who's being talked, spoken to? Yeah. yeah. He's even God speaking to Jesus. Who has believed what he has heard from us? Yeah. 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 Right. Right. Hey, quick, I got a historical uh-huh. question for you. In 52 and 53, where in the timeline is that? And as far as Babylonian, they're in exile. They're in exile right now. Right. They're, they're, yes, Isaiah. And Isaiah's I mean, dead. Is, is, sorry, Israel. Well, yeah, Isaiah's passed away, right? He's gone. Yes, at that 50 time. Fifty years ago. Yes, correct. That's correct. Isaiah's gone. Israel is in exile. Israel is. Um, some of them will have come back from exile. Okay, probably some of them come back. But the, ultimately what's happening is they're not fulfilling their purpose as a people. They're still in fear of the world. They're not here. Which is exactly why it's like they need a savior. We need a savior. Persia hasn't hasn't taken over though. What? Persia hasn't taken over as far as the writing of this. Persia, yes. Persia, yes. They have. This is after Cyrus. This, so this is 70 years. This, this is, is Cyrus. after Cyrus. Okay. Yes, this is after Cyrus. Because Cyrus is back in 45. Got it. Okay, so Got this it. is after Cyrus. Yeah. All right. Okay. Good question. All right. So, you guys, anything with the description here? You see what's happening is is yeah. you're painting the servant. And you just think about, like, today. It's just, I was just watching. Yeah. Like, I'm being, you know. I mean, TikTok and all these things of all of this stuff. You know, people, everybody's now with social media trying to be the next great star. The next thing you get all these likes, your next thing. I mean, ultimately, it's all about trying to what? Be high and lift mm-hmm. yourself up. Trying to make myself look somehow better. And also make money. And well, make, <laughs> which well, is so it's you can. All you, that stuff. Right. Yeah. You make money, all right? I mean,. <laughs> I know some of us made millions and millions, and it's just, it's sick, just um, how they did that. So it's just like, wow. <laughs> Which means for them to make that money, someone has to be watching that, right? <laughs> to be able to do that. But anyway, we won't get all to all that. We need to put you on TikTok. <laughs> I know. I want to be low and despised. <laughs> but that's how the world is. Everything's about us trying to... Exalt ourselves. Exalt ourselves. Well, yeah. is are are you just trying to exalt yourself here? I'm, am I trying to exalt myself? Correct. I don't know. Am I? No. Okay. <laughs> right. You're exalting Jesus. Right. That's what we want to be doing. That's right. So yeah. we can put you on TikTok. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the paradox is how do you be high and low at the same time? 
only Jesus could do that. That's right. Mm-hmm. So that's a good, okay. That yeah. really right. well said. Oh, good, good. No, that's, that's actually. A good question. Yeah. Only no, no, that's good. That's Jesus. good. I love that. Because that's what that's to just taking these verses and applying it to ourselves. Because we're the servants of the servant. servant. The servant. So ultimately, we are to be like the servant, servant, servant. who is a servant. Who is Jesus, right? Yes. So what did you just say, Bruce? High and low at the same time. How do we do that? Serve. Great Serve. question. How? So if we are to be, and, and that this is one way in which we are to be like Christ, right? I mean, it says in the Philippians, in Philippians 2, really, it says Christ was that way. And it actually says we're to be that way. How do we do that? How do we live so we're not ourselves being high and lifted up? How do we live in a way that we are like Christ? Through the power of humility. Through the power. Yeah, very good. Being a servant. Being what? Being a servant. Being a servant. Being a servant. Being a slave. Being totally submitted to Christ. Give me some examples of that. Have you guys, I mean, what are some examples about how you can do that? You literally, okay, see, hear. How do you see? You look. How do you hear? You listen. And what is it that you're hearing, trying to hear, and trying to see? Give me an example. Okay. A real world example. Okay, I'll give you a real world example. (laughs) So I'm doing whatever I'm doing, and a thought pops into my head. An idea, if you will. That sounds like a wonderful idea to chase down whatever little weird perverse rabbit hole I, my mind wants to take me down, right? Uh-huh. And I say, you're an idea that I don't want. And I'm going to submit myself and this idea to Christ. And in my mind, I meditate literally on my knees. I am down submitting all of myself. And I can go through every aspect of myself. And submit every aspect of myself to Christ. My sexuality, my physical form, my health, my thoughts. I just mentioned to you my communication skills. Sorry, Steve. Still not there yet. So everything. My my skills, my talents, my, my husbandry, everything. Right. Okay? Submitting that all in my consciously. To Christ, because I've tried every other way, even the, the idea of what has Christ done for me, okay? I even have, Sarah did a beautiful painting of him after he's been beaten that sits right on my desk, okay? That wasn't enough. It just requires complete submission and all day, every day for me. Yeah, to be true. in that place and then let God do the work that needs right. to be happening. Because I can't do it. Yeah, I've tried. How about others? I mean, how, how do we do that? I mean, how do we practically live this way? Or do you have examples of trying? How do we live that way? Were you saying serve Peter? others? Bear each other's burdens. So what's a way you do that? Well, if if you can if you can see a brother who needs help. And you can carry some weight. I don't know. Maybe he's having marital problems, or um, you know, needs financial help, or needs wisdom, or something. And you can help carry some weight, direct mm-hmm. him to God, help him in some tangible way. Then that 
those can be some things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In the book I read, earnestly pursuing obedience to one another. No one is to pursue what they judge better for themselves, but what they judge better for someone else instead. So now put that into real life. Put that into something that really, that, that an mm. example. Or can I give an example yes. of your life? I'm going to ask you if I can share. I listening. So can I, can I share what you told me about what you did with your wife? Yeah. Okay. So let me give you an example, real world example for Eric is, uh, well, I, yeah, I won't say too much, but I, so yeah, let's put this, you want. yeah, okay. It's so, I mean, one of the things, I mean, you know, his wife loves another type of church. He comes here, okay, they go to different, some different churches, okay, which is, you know, that's, that's what they're doing stuff. But what Eric decided to do was to say, you know what, I'm going to go with her to her church. At your he, suggestion. Well, <laughs> he did that. Your okay. <laughs> but he went to the he went to the, the, the church with his wife, showing, hey, I'm there and I'm supporting. Greg, if you force him, he doesn't get credit for that. What? I'm oh, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Good job, Eric. Uh, yeah. Anyway, we're, we're I'm just. But I mean, there's a good. But there's a yeah. Whichever. The point <laughs> is. The point is. <laughs> you didn't think you were going to get through this. No, I'm, I'm trying. trying. <laughs> it's really hard. You did a good job. I don't. Well, I'm trying to embarrass you guys, and I'm getting embarrassed. <laughs> 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 That's because you were part of the whole thing. I know. But well, just a, it's a good example. The example is, is that. You know, he said, you know, I don't necessarily like going here, but I'm going to, you know, take one by Sundays and I'm going to go there. All right. There is a just, I mean, these little things are big things. Okay. Um, that's what I'm talking about. Real practical. How do we do what you asked, Bruce? And we actually have so many opportunities to be the servant of the servant. See, you were a yeah. servant. You were a servant. And this is a great example because you put your needs behind and Eric's needs in front. And Eric did the same thing for his wife. You know, it's more important to the needs of others than your own. So well, that's why we're all That's where this yeah. Philippians, I was just reading this, exactly. it makes so much sense. <clears throat> read it. Go ahead and read Philippians. Christian humility. If then there's any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. <laughs> and how much just right there? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. How much but in humility. Us? <laughs> but in humility. Consider others as more important than yourselves. Exactly. Everyone should look yes. not unto his own interest, but rather the interests of others. And that's what you did. That You just demonstrated yeah. it. And so and, you, and that's what right, and that's what we have. You lost a member, but that's okay. Yeah, that's. <laughs> but okay, so keep reading, keep reading. This goes to what Bruce said. Keep reading. You want me to keep going? Yeah, because it's really important to keep going. Well, okay, Christ, humility, and why are you doing? I mean, the, the question is, why do we do this? Keep reading. It unites us with Christ. Keep reading. Okay, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus. Jesus. Listen. Okay. In other words, adopt the same attitude as you was existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the kindness or likeness of humanity, 
And when he had come as man, he humbled himself and became, becoming obedient to the point of death, even to the death on a cross. For this reason, God highly exalted him and gave that? him the name that is above yeah. every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow in heaven mm-hmm. and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Right there you see that link because what Christ did on the cross, we live that way because of what he did. Yeah, Peter. So Matthew twenty twenty six. Uh, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom yep. for many. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And, and that, but what he did for us on the cross, in terms of, and fear nothing but God, right? Mm-hmm. So when you take it to the full extent of, to the point of death, to the point of death on the cross, like the worst way of death, right? Right. When you submit yourself to that level, that he did, and he enables us to access that within right. ourselves. Right? Suddenly, yes. what do you have to be afraid of? Right. I was just, I was just talking, yeah. of, talking about this to an atheist guy who's like a, uh, an owner of one of the galleries. And um, it's not just the cross that, that was, because, you know, people, there are worse deaths than the cross. Like, people can invent, but that's just the symbolic, that's, that's symbolic. Well, one, it was you know, his humiliation and, and being despised and, and that. But what happened on the cross? Right. Christ had to take the wrath of God and essentially almost like absorb all of our sins, take him, take our sins upon him. Not almost like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Take, take our sins upon him. That's the real pain That's and anguish pain. of the cross. That's right. That's right. And we can't understand that because it, if... Right. Peter was crucified. He was crucified upside down. There's a lot of people that were crucified. That is just symbol. That's like a physical symbol. That's not what. That's not what Christ agonized in Gethsemane about. Um, in in the garden. That's that's not what he agonized over. He agonized over um, the wrath sin. of God right. and the sin that he would have to take upon himself. Right. right. That's think, the part that we can't. That, and that's what he came to free us from. Right. Was. That's why we would have no hope of following this. No hope if it wasn't for what he did. He suffered more than anyone who's ever existed. One, he's an infinite person, so he's capable of infinite suffering. But two, it's no, no, he's he's taking on like the suffering of humanity, all humanity combined. C.S. Lewis said, the greatest suffering for a person, an individual, is only... You know, there's only so much for, for each individual person. Right. It's not like the cumulative suffering of humanity is on everyone. So the argument of why does God allow suffering to happen, it's illogical if you don't consider the suffering of Christ. Why did God allow himself to suffer far beyond anything that anyone has ever suffered? Now that's like a real question. That's and those and those questions, so the questions Peter's bringing up right now, those are the questions that are essential for us as Christians to be able to answer for others who ask those questions, which is exactly where we're going to spend the next few weeks on, is that you will be able to answer those questions. That, in essence, what he's describing there, 
that is atonement. We have this word called atonement. But that is, what is it that Christ did that no other human could be that he did on the cross? Why? And when you understand that he's done that for the entire humanity, what's our choice but to be his servant? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, just really quick to add on to that is, uh, I think, you know, at one point he said, God, why have you forsaken me? Meaning that yeah. at one point, he, he was always in communication. He, God is in him. He was in God. Always. That's separation happened. And in a way that is hell. You know, being set, that's, you know, being separated from God. So I mean, part of that atonement, I think, gets down to him actually experiencing that himself, being separated from God for whatever, a moment. Yeah. At least that's what I read. Well, and that's what we're going to look at. I'm not going to comment too much more. Yeah, Tom. Just circling back to the kind of the original thought around um, how are we high and low at the same time? Yeah. Um, I kind of think of you know, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. What did he do? That, and I'm, my mind goes to he used the authority of the word to combat the evil mm. that was coming at him, mm-hmm. yet he remained humble or low. Mm-hmm. And yet his authority of who he was and who he came to be, but he used the word to, to combat the things that come at us um, on a regular basis, whether that's you know, sin that, you know, firing arrows that come at you. Right. But, you know, the humble yourself and then you'll be exalted, you know, in a sense of taking that high, low approach where it kind of looked at it from that model standpoint. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Yeah, Jason. Just on answering that question, I know we'll spend a couple of weeks in there, but um, <laughs> and sort of what Stephen and I were talking about for uh, this is uh, sixty-five seventeen, Isaiah. Mm-hmm. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. So why did Christ come and do these things? In order for to set this up. Mm-hmm. But be glad and rejoice forever. Yeah. That's now. In that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be a gladness. That is what we were created for. To be a gladness. How good is that? That's the best thing ever. We're walking around, bummed out, upset, pissed off, disgruntled, whatever. Defeated. Right. That is not what we were created for. Right. Right. And Christ yeah. paved that road. Yeah. The highway of holiness. Yeah. All right. So I want to wrap things up. So next week, we are going to start answering that question because what ends up happening next in Isaiah in this passage is going to take us right into what we just were talking about. So this is what it says. We'll just read and then we'll end. So Isaiah 53, 4 now says, how's he, how's this happen? Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. 
that's how he was considered when he was on the cross was actually how a lot of people will consider Jesus even today, even thinking about that. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. Goes back to why should we be glad, Jason? (laughs) There you go. All we like sheep have gone astray. Not some, not just me, (laughs) not just Steve, I know we're in this together, but all of us have gone to sheep, gone, gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, not us, but laid on Christ the iniquity and sins of us all. I mean, that starts to give you a small picture of what he did on the cross. And we're going to start looking at also why why did he do this? Because one of the big things that happens, I don't know if you get the, one of the big questions you'll get from people is, why did he have to do this? I mean, why couldn't God just say, oh, your sins are getting given, poof, done, okay? Why did it have to happen this way? What is it then? Because if you understand that, then you understand only one person could do that, which is Jesus, which is the Son of God, which is what makes our faith so unique. We can't just say, oh, anybody can have the sins for you, but by anybody. No. I mean, that's why he is the truth, the light. No one comes to the Father except through him, because of what he did here. Are, are we going to go into some study, cultural study, regarding fathers and their sons and the way that worked if, like, you know, through here? It's, we're, yes, we're, we're actually going to go back and look at things like in Leviticus, look at atonement, look at sacrifice, and why those things happen and stuff. Yeah, cool. So go back, okay? Everyone follow, everyone with me? Excellent. With us? We're with you. This is where we're going the next few weeks, alright? So it just take us all the way right to Easter. Yeah, good Friday. Yeah. Awesome. Good. Alright, keep you guys, um, keep building in prayer. Keep everybody else we talked about in prayer. Thank um, you for that video. Yeah, so. Anybody want to um, close us? Any volunteers for close us in prayer? Going once. Yes. Can I read something? Yeah, oh yeah. This is a prayer. That'd be awesome. This is a prayer that Perfect. Paul put together Perfect. in Ephesians. Okay. I pray that he may grant us, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power in the inner man through his spirit, and that the Messiah may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints, what is the length, width, height, and depth of God's love. Mm-hmm. And to know that the Messiah's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church in Jesus Christ to all generations. Forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Amen.